Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. The title of tonight's talk is Exposing the New Age Craze. A former New Age leader speaks out as a Christian witness. It's a privilege and an honor to be here with you tonight to be able to share the story of my deliverance from the bondage of Satan's New Age movement through the mighty power and grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. As well, this evening, I will be exposing the strategies and wiles of the adversary who is amassing many forces and influences through the massive occult revival known as the New Age movement rising up in today's fast-changing times. It is my hope and prayer tonight that through my testimony that the body of Christ may in some way be strengthened and alerted to some important facts and perspectives about the New Age. I also rejoice in having the privilege of bearing witness to the resurrection and the life of Jesus our Messiah. And I pray that even if you don't agree with every single perspective that I discuss, that we would hold each other up in the faith in Jesus Christ that we all do share. Truly, as the Apostle Paul writes, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. As a teenager, Satan tempted me into dabbling in exotic Eastern mysticism and developing psychic powers, which hooked me into the New Age. This path led over the course of 15 years a life involving yoga, psychedelic drugs, holistic health, belief in reincarnation, acquiring familiar spirits, divination, crystal power, and many other New Age phenomena. In fact, through the years, I rose quickly through the ranks of the New Age to write two popular books by a respected mainstream publisher, which sparked a meteoric career ascent to national and international renown on the New Age scene. But in the midst of enjoying all this success, I had an absolutely horrifying encounter with evil forces, evil forces that masquerade as light and offer counterfeit truths through broad New Age paths. While I'll elaborate on this whole story later on in this talk, these demonic forces threatened to totally possess and devour me. And on the brink of seeming annihilation, I came to repent of many multitudes of sins and to accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and personal Savior. And true to his promise, the Lord Almighty cut the chains of Satan's bondage and set me free from certain death into life everlasting. Jesus gave his life for me on the cross of Calvary, and I have given my life to him. In this new life in Christ, the Lord has laid a burden on my heart to stand up and witness to his saving grace, as well as to expose the darkness, dangers, and deceptions of the Luciferic New Age. One of the major themes I'd like to point out tonight is the rather alarming growth rate of this movement and how it has spread extensively throughout every level of our society in both obvious and well-disguised ways. This surprising growth spurt is one of the major stories occurring in America in the 1980s. The New Age movement has gone from being a hippie and Eastern guru revival of the 1960s to being sparked in grassroots middle America in the 1970s to being one of the fastest rising phenomenon in our country in the 1980s. Findings of numerous highly respected researchers conclude that the New Age is the fastest growing alternative belief system in our country today. With the advent of what I call the Shirley MacLaine era starting in 1985 or so, the American general public has been exposed to at least a very general picture of the New Age agenda. Images in Doonesbury mocking the harmonic convergence come to mind when he depicted the highly touted harmonic convergence as a moronic convergence, and People magazine called it a maximum bummer. Shirley MacLaine, the self-appointed superstar New Age spokesperson, has introduced many millions of Americans to the New Age through her best-selling books and infamous TV miniseries Out on a Limb. It's interesting to note that national bookstore chains experienced 95% increase of sales of New Age books over the two weeks after Shirley's miniseries, and that New Age books have become the fastest-rising trend in the publishing industry, 
reaching an estimated $1 billion of sales per year. But yet what you generally see or read about in newspapers, magazines, or see on the news shows is only one slice of the New Age pie. There are many slices or branches of the New Age movement that are very important to be aware of. And the tricky part of all this is that the New Age is not just what you think of when Shirley MacLaine, the Harmonic Convergence, or hippies, witches, and gurus come to mind. The New Age is not just confined to obvious forms, like hippie types wearing bizarre-looking rainbow clothes and crystal pendants, eating sprouts, and having visualized world peace bumper stickers on their rickety Volkswagen buses. In today's times, you're just as likely to be exposed to New Age influences by someone wearing a three-piece suit or a laboratory coat. Such persons might not even use the term New Age as they shared ideas and techniques in various professional settings that are in reality based on an underlying New Age philosophy. In both obvious and highly disguised forms, the many different branches of the New Age have made significant inroads into every level of our civilization in often surprising ways. Some of these areas include the corporate business world, healthcare and medicine, education, music, politics, psychology, even science. The New Age has come of age in many ways. In every single area of society I just mentioned, there are hundreds of PhDs and other educated successful professionals from all areas of American society. To give just a few examples of highly respected professionals in diverse fields who are on record as being involved in one type of New Age practice or another. These include Edgar Mitchell, Apollo astronaut, sixth man to walk on the moon, who after having a mystical experience in space has founded a New Age Institute called the Institute of Noetic Sciences which explores many aspects of the New Age, especially concentrating on the development of psychic powers of the human mind. Another example, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, the most highly respected world authority in the hospice field, who today advocates the acquiring of familiar spirits and certain other occult practices. Bernie Siegel, highly renowned medical doctor and author of the best-selling book, Love, Medicine, and Miracles, which, among other things, advocates the acquiring of familiar spirits to aid in the healing process. Barbara Marks Hubbard, well-known futurist and former candidate for the vice presidency, is a highly visible global figure promoting New Age politics. Carl Jung, who along with Freud was one of the founding fathers of modern-day psychology, who received much of his theories from a familiar spirit named Philemon. And Robert Mueller, former assistant secretary general to the United Nations for over a decade who has written a recent book advocating a one-world globalism with a New Age-type religious philosophy. And these examples of highly respected figures from numerous disciplines are just a few examples. Recent studies show that the most dominant component of the New Age today is the successful professional career person, male and female, whose average age is between 30 and 45 years old. From amongst the ranks of the yuppie and upper middle class are a predominantly influential voice in the New Age today. This is one major underlying reason for why and how New Age-oriented ideas and practices have made such strong strides in infiltrating American culture. Many things have changed quickly in this movement in the last 10 years, and numerous trends, strategies, and facts are quite important to know about. Overall, from yet another direction, there is a very real and fast-rising threat to the body of Christ that we all need to be aware of and towards which there is a growing need to take a firm stand. Most Christian critics of the New Age are observers who are looking from the outside in. They have studied it, analyzed it, and critiqued its many falsehoods and dangers very well. However, very few of them actually know the inside story, a story that can only be known by having lived within it for a considerable time. 
To my regret today, I tell you that the New Age was my life, my love, for some 15 years. I have broken bread and shared innermost thoughts with thousands of New Age pilgrims. The New Age used to be my home, and I explored its many alien landscapes with great vigor and curiosity, all the while truly believing that I had really found ultimate truth. Little did I realize at the time that what I considered to be a home filled with light, truth, and peace was in actuality a viper's den filled with cunningly camouflaged hate, lies, and chains of glittery bondage. Satan, who masquerades as an angel of light, is certainly a masterful counterfeiter and has done a cunning job in his authoring of the New Age. Today, as a converted Christian, I can share the inside story of what the New Age is really all about with unique insights and perspectives drawn from one who knows the real story and then was delivered from its consuming bondage. And what I see today with the eyes of a new man in Christ truly alarms me in many ways. I see the deception, the dangers, the marks of Satan's New Age handiwork infiltrating into American society in often surprising and subtle but profound ways. Along these lines, some of the issues that I'll be addressing tonight include questions like, why are so many tens of millions of people finding the New Age so attractive and compelling? How is this movement drawing so many Christians into its temptations and false promises? What are some of the indicators that Christians can use in practically discerning disguised New Age influences? And how does the New Age movement fit into the biblical prophecies concerning the end times and the rise of the Antichrist? These and other important questions I'll be addressing as we proceed. One of the numerous reasons why we should be vigilant about the New Age is that it's snatching away so many people from the general Christian community. Statistics show that more than 70% of New Agers grew up in homes having Judeo-Christian backgrounds. My own experience in talking with many thousands of New Agers confirms this figure. I myself used to be one of these statistics. I was brought up in a good Christian home, but ventured off course through dabbling and exploring a New Age phenomenon and got hooked into it before I even knew it. Time and time again, as I traveled throughout New Age circles across this country, I have heard so many variations on this type of story come up in conversations, in both the young and the old. It may surprise you to realize that a solid percentage of the large losses of membership that have occurred in numerous Christian denominations over the last 20 to 30 years have fed right into the ranks of the New Age. The sheer numbers of people involved in one form or another of this movement is rather shocking. Estimates vary. For example, the Christian film Gods of the New Age asserts a figure of 60 million Americans, while Christian author Joseph Carr in his book The Lucifer Connection goes even higher at a figure of 65 million, fully a quarter of our American society. Other estimates vary somewhat from these, all depending on the exact definition of the New Age, but it is an established fact that one quarter of Americans today believe in the foundational New Age doctrine of reincarnation and that 40 million Americans believe in astrology, a practice that is New Age to the very core. And if you really want to further nail down these statistics, a University of Chicago poll recently showed that 67% of Americans today believe in the reality of occult forces, and 42% believe that they have been in contact with the dead. Clearly, these kinds of figures indicate that America has become strongly infiltrated and is proving to be fertile ground for an occult revival of historically unparalleled magnitudes. One conclusion that is most important to note from these facts, this is that to a large degree, the New Age is preying on Christians who knowingly or unknowingly veer off course into any of the thousands of temptations and traps that the enemy lays through his New Age. Award-winning Christian author and journalist, 
for the Los Angeles Times, Russell Chandler, in his book, Understanding the New Age, makes a startling but true assertion when he writes, quote, The New Age has touched you. You've heard its ideas, listened to its music, viewed its artwork, watched its superstars, read its literature, and bought its products. You may even have participated in its therapies, shared in its rituals, and embraced its philosophies, all without knowing them as New Age. End quote. What Mr. Chandler is correctly pointing out here is a very important fact that anyone and everyone in our society, unless they've been out on a 10-year trek in the Australian outback, has been exposed to some aspect of the New Age, sometimes without even realizing that this is the case. In clarifying this important point, I should make the general distinction between direct and indirect exposure. Now, indirect exposure is the least threatening, though it's still certainly a significant factor to contend with. Similar to the many ways that we are all exposed to secular humanistic influences, through watching TV, reading magazine articles, conversing with secular people, and another often unavoidable exposure in everyday life, so too do New Age influences permeate our society. For example, there are numerous box office hit movies that have significant degrees of underlying New Age concepts, the most famous of which is the Star Wars trilogy. The concepts of the Force, Jedi Knights, Master Yoda, and psychic powers are all profoundly based on New Age philosophy. In fact, this movie serves as a veritable visual textbook, introducing the general public in an entertaining and non-threatening way to many of the foundational principles of New Age philosophy. Examples of other famous movies with significant New Age content include 2001, Dark Crystal, Dune, Cocoon 1 and 2, E.T., Close Encounters of the Third Kind, Raiders of the Lost Ark, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, The Gate, and multitudes of others. And this is not to mention the proliferation of obviously occultic horror movies. In addition, a recent research study showed that over a two-week period, 32 shows and movies on TV were based on occult and New Age themes. Furthermore, New Age music is enjoying a tremendous rise of popularity. It has its very own category in the Grammy Awards, any number of New Age radio stations popping up in major cities, and made the music company Wyndham Hill $35 million in 1987. These and other sorts of indirect New Age influences can be a more long-term secondary influence on people who let down their guard. Much of the influences of secular humanism can prove to be long-term corroding influences for those who let down their guard on the secular front. In my opinion, though, it is the direct New Age influences that pose the most serious dangers. Unfortunately, there are, in, are innumerable ways that New Age ideas have been integrated into seemingly non-New Age forms that many people partake of, sometimes quite unsuspectingly. You see, many New Age ideas and practices are very adaptable and can easily take on a wide variety of different disguises. Like a chameleon skin changes color depending on the color of the underlying landscape, so too can New Age ideas change their outer covering to fit into the landscape of mainstream American culture. These disguised forms many times appear to be spiritually neutral, harmless, and even innocent. You'd be amazed at how deeply New Age influences have been integrated into such areas as many different types of psychologies, multitudes of forms of self-improvement programs, a significant portion of success and motivation seminars, Stress management, programs, and techniques are one of the easiest categories in which the New Age makes inroads. Creativity enhancement and intuition building techniques and the holistic health field is one of the strongest branches of the New Age and one of the most difficult to discern at times. 
Now, I should emphasize that not everything encompassed within each of these areas I just listed are always totally New Age oriented. There are, in fact, many forms that are very helpful and in line with Christian principles. But also, many do have New Age practices and philosophy woven into them. This is often very much a matter of degree. In a given program, there might be 10% of it that is New Age based, sometimes 30%, sometimes 80%. It's all a matter of degree in many cases. What I'm pointing to here is the need to re-examine, more so than ever before, carefully and discerningly, so many more aspects of the culture around us. There is a danger of people unknowingly dabbling in or accepting a New Age practice into their life without even realizing it. Millions of people are doing just this. I wish that I had an entire evening to cover this very extensive topic, but a little later on I'll go over some practical discernment principles for evaluating different phenomena. Now, I'd like to take just one example, the corporate business world, and give you a quick overview of how deeply New Age ideas have made inroads into this aspect of our modern-day society. You would think that the highly practical bottom-line world of business realism would be a rather immune to the inroads of the New Age. Quite the contrary, in fact. It's really quite a fast-rising trend in the contemporary business world. Here are just a few examples. In 1986, the New York Times reported that, quote, Representatives of some of the nation's largest corporations, including IBM, AT&T, and General Motors, met in New Mexico to discuss how metaphysics, the occult, and Hindu mysticism might help executives compete in the world marketplace. End quote. Also, Stanford's prestigious Graduate School of Business offers a course on creativity in business, which advertises the use of Zen Buddhism, yoga, tarot cards, dreamworks, chanting, and a discussion of the New Age capitalist. This class is reported to be extremely popular and to have a long waiting list. Further, a report in the Omni Whole Mind newsletter, an offshoot of the Omni Science magazine, shows that $4 billion corporate dollars are spent each year by major businesses for different management and employee training programs that are based on underlying New Age principles. This article calls the firms who come into a business setting to offer such programs corporate transformers because they transform people's worldviews thought processes, and the way they go about not only their jobs, but their lives. Most of the time in these programs, New Age ideas and techniques are cloaked behind spiritually neutral language with a lot of psychological jargon of varying types intermixed with scientific-sounding terminology. Rarely is the term New Age used, nor many of its classic buzzwords. What you have are professional teams wearing three-piece suits or other professional garb coming into a company and literally retraining people's minds and attempting to alter their beliefs about themselves and the world around them. And this kind of thing is very widespread, even commonplace. Here are a few names of companies that are on record as utilizing one of the corporate transformer specialty companies in one form or another. There's some very big names here. Polaroid, Procter & Gamble, RCA, Westinghouse, AT&T, IBM, Boeing, Calvin Klein, and many others, both large and small. One researcher and watchdog of this alarming trend, Richard Waltring, an executive at Hertz Renicar, criticizes it, saying, quote, I feel very strongly that companies should not be in the business of changing their employees' belief systems, end quote. When a person starts to incorporate non-Christian beliefs and practices, sometimes without realizing that this is what's actually happening, it can and does open the door for the adversary to plant seeds of subtle delusion and the Christian individual may start to slip from standing strong in the faith. Some Christians have started to take a stand against these programs, especially when they are mandatory for employees, which is often the case. 
In California, for example, one such major lawsuit has been won over Pacific Bell, where 67,000 employees were put through such a program on a mandatory basis. You might wonder why the New Age has made such apparently striking inroads in the bottom-line, practically-minded business world. The fact of the matter is that many of these ideas and techniques do prove effective in a wide variety of ways. Bottom line, numerous studies have shown that when employees undergo these programs, the business's overall efficiency and profits rise significantly. This is the overriding reason why this is such a hot trend in today's business world. But, as I'll cover later on, yes, any number of New Age practices can sometimes be effective in a cause-and-effect manner. However, the question that should be asked is, are these practices in line with biblical principles that are righteous and holy, or are they based on tempting counterfeit systems that work for a season but for which a person ultimately pays a price? This is the most important question to ask and answer about any and all phenomenon in our American culture today. By taking the example of how the New Age has made strong inroads into the modern business world, I wanted to give you an indication of how much more widespread the New Age is in society in general, and that in many disguised forms it can be a lot closer to home than sometimes realized. I wish that I could spend the entire evening on this topic alone, for what has been brought to light thus far is but the tip of the tip of the iceberg. At this point, let me share with you a few very general practical principles for analyzing different programs, techniques, and philosophies to see if they may well be based on New Age principles. Now, the issues that can arise here can lead to very complex controversies. In the small amount of time allotted to this subject, I can only offer very general guidelines. One of the most important things to do in this area is to become more aware of the forms and strategies of the New Age. Toward this end, there are any number of excellent Christian books on this subject. In particular here, I'd point to one book, Unmasking the New Age, by Douglas Grothus, put out by InterVarsity Press. I've also made a special cassette tape called Surprising New Age Infiltration in America that addresses this topic in particular to a deeper extent. Now, here are a few discernment principles. Number one, first one is rather obvious but important. First and foremost, being strong in the knowledge and wisdom of the Bible provides a rock-solid foundation and piercing tool of discernment in all these matters. Number two, Disguised New Age practices are most often found in these areas. Number one, stress management. Number two, holistic health care. Three, many different types of psychologies. Four, creativity enhancement and intuition building programs. Five, various sorts of self-improvement programs. And six, success and motivation seminars. These are the areas to be most wary about, though not exclusively so. Number three, New Age philosophy is based on the principle that man is not a sinner in need of redemption through Jesus Christ. Many programs and techniques you may come across are based on the glorification of the self, based upon the underlying assumption that man is good, perfect, and even divine by nature. Any philosophy, psychology, or technique that is grounded upon this type of assumption is seriously flawed. This exaltation and glorification of man is extremely common, and one of the first things to look for in discernment matters. Number four, often New Age phenomenon are based on devaluating the importance of rational analytical thinking. Instead, there is an emphasis on going beyond the rational mind to gain things like knowledge, wisdom, healing, and self-empowerment. Anytime you see the rational mind being devalued and being placed under inner personal experiences, intuition, or other non-rational states, 
This should raise a red flag immediately. Number five, along similar lines, beware of practices that are founded upon the person going into different sorts of trance or meditation states. In these trance states, a person is in a state of very deep relaxation and is told to let go of any inhibitions, restraints, and preconceived ideas. Such trance states leave a person exceptionally vulnerable to the replacing of biblical beliefs with other beliefs and sometimes even demonic intrusion and deception. These trance states often go under a variety of seemingly nice-sounding names, including guided meditation, guided visualization, reverie states, creative visualization, hypnosis, self-hypnosis, centering and imaging exercises, and many others. In all, beware of trance states that can come under these and many other names. In sum here, these five main discernment principles will give you a running start at evaluating many of the ideas and phenomena that face us in our society today. I'd like to give you a phone number of an excellent Christian organization that can minister to people in this regard in terms of discerning New Age versus non-New Age. This organization is called the Spiritual Counterfeits Project, has a phone ministry line called Access, which is available between 10 a.m. and 4 p.m., Mondays through Wednesdays, Pacific Time. The phone number is 1-415-540-5767. One of my goals tonight, as we proceed further, is to expose more and more of the basic principles of the New Age, so as to invite you to re-look at the world around you, and to piercingly discern those New Age influences that saturate our world today, so that we can all avoid them like the spiritual plague that it is. Discernment, in many ways, is half the battle in combating this movement, and a spiritual battle it is when we face the onslaught of the satanic powers that are being unleashed through the New Age. And just before we start to view this movement from this other perspective, that of spiritual warfare, I'd like to draw from themes expressed in Ephesians 6, 10-18, which portray so well the full armor of the Lord Almighty that soldiers in Christ are to be fitted with. Ephesians 6 tells us clearly that, quote, Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, the authorities, and the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. This is the true nature of the spiritual battle that rages each and every day, and even more so in today's critical times. The Apostle Paul gives us powerful images of the victory armor that we are to put on so that we can stand strong in the Lord's mighty power against the schemes of the adversary. The belt of truth buckled around our waists, the breastplate of righteousness, feet fitted with readiness to venture wherever the Lord leads, taking up the shield of faith so that all the flaming arrows of the evil one may be extinguished, fitting the helmet of salvation and taking up the sword of the Spirit. And with the victory armor in place, Paul entreats us to be alert, alert to the schemes of the devil and opportunities to advance the work of Jesus Christ, and to continually pray for all the saints, all our Christian brethren, who fight the good fight toward the glory of our Father in heaven. Now, in view of our Christian victory armor, we can move on to the next section of this talk, which looks at the New Age from a different perspective, one that penetrates to the real core of the mounting threat that this movement poses on the level of spiritual warfare. This section of the talk is called The New Age Razzle-Dazzle That Blurs, Blinds, and Brainwashes. Drawing from my 15 years of experience in the midst of the New Age Razzle-Dazzle, now seeing the phenomenon with a new mind in Christ, I'd like to further reveal the inside story of this fast-rising movement. Some of it you may find shocking, some pathetic, some surprising, some alarming. 
But the perspectives I'll be sharing and the issues I'll be raising, I think, are very important for us all to at least give due and considered thought. One of the most common questions people ask about the New Age is, why is the New Age attracting so many millions of people today? And one of the strongest reasons is that there's a lot of power behind this movement. And many people are feeling and experiencing this power when they get involved in these phenomena. This power can feel very good and positive and loving to those who experience it. Unfortunately, the power here is the power of a Luciferic counterfeit light. Another reason that the New Age is so big is that many times its techniques and practices can work for a season. This is to say there are counterfeit miracles, signs, and wonders happening throughout the New Age landscape. And these counterfeit workings are attracting people like moths to a flame. The Bible identifies Satan as a liar and the father of lies, and the New Age is one of his most cunning lies going today. Now, there are two different ends to the New Age spectrum. One end is the obviously dark end, and on the other side, the luminous end. In the obviously dark end, you have obviously evil intentions, grotesque darkness, blatant ugliness, which includes such phenomenon as Satanism, black witchcraft, voodoo, black shamanism, and others. All these forms compose less than 15% of the total New Age spectrum. For the most part, when I talk about the New Age tonight, I'm referring to the luminous end of the spectrum. Here you have the glittery, glamorous end, where the adversary works his trade as a master counterfeiter to the hilt, making darkness to appear as light, hate as love, and abominations as truth. This is the side of the New Age that parades under the banner cry of love, light, peace, and universal brotherhood. However, it's a peace that is not the peace that passes all understanding. The New Age is a peace that lulls a person to spiritual sleep as it blurs the truth. It's a light that is Lucifer's counterfeit luminosity, a luminous darkness that dazzles to the point of blinding the individual. The New Age is a brotherhood that is not brotherhood in Christ, but rather brainwashing into fellowship with Satan's minions. It's a love that is not Christ's love in the least. Rather, it's the enemy's hate disguised as love. The New Age version of love is literally an embrace that suffocates. It's important to realize that the great majority of New Agers have absolutely no idea that Satan is back of the New Age. For them, to suggest such a thing smacks of absurdity. And if you ask New Agers if Satan is the author and controller of this movement, few, if any at all, would say yes to such a question. Virtually 100% would think such a question is absolutely ludicrous. Now, if you ask New Agers if they believe in God, more than 90% of them will say yes. Unfortunately, this God to which they refer is a false God. This false God is Satan, the prince of the power of the air. The New Age is a glittery and glamorous bondage that doesn't feel like the bondage that it is. Why would New Agers try to escape something that feels so apparently good and true? What more cunning bondage could there be? This is the sad truth about those who get caught up in these delusions. We need to step back for just a minute or two and see the modern New Age movement in historical perspective. The roots of today's New Age, surprising growth, have been present throughout all of mankind's history. It has its origins in the Garden of Eden, for the very foundation of the New Age is based on the lie that the serpent hissed to Eve, saying, No, you shall not die, you shall be as God. This is the foundation of New Age philosophy, the promise of immortality through reincarnation and godhood. The New Age proclaims that man is not a sinner in need of redemption through Jesus Christ, but rather says that man is by nature good, perfect, and divine. This view holds that man is the measure of all things, 
and that he is a sovereign God in the making with unlimited universal powers. This New Age philosophy is akin to secular humanism as they both spring from the same roots of the serpent's lying temptation. There is a secular type of humanism and there is a New Age version of humanism. These branches of humanism develop along very different lines and pursue different agendas, but they both spring from the same roots and both work against the body of Christ. The New Age has its foundation in the ancient occult traditions that have been in continuous existence throughout all of history. For example, the Bible shows in many situations confrontations between occult forces and the power of the Lord. Many times pagan kings and pharaohs would bring together the most powerful sorcerers, astrologers, and magicians gathered in alliance with them around their thrones. We see it with Moses battling it out with the pharaoh's magicians, with Daniel and the court sorcerers and astrologers, with the Apostle Paul and his confrontations with sorcerers and magicians in the book of Acts, and many other examples. Of course, the almighty power of the Lord always reigns supreme in such cases, the point here being that there has been a long history of confrontation and spiritual warfare between occultists and the people of the Lord. What is new about the New Age of today is the fact that it's an historically unparalleled occultic and neo-paganistic revival. The Christian author Dave Hunt, in his excellent book, America the Sorcerer's New Apprentice, highlights this situation very aptly when he says, We are witnessing far and away the greatest occult explosion of all time. The evidence seems to indicate that something of unusual historic significance is in process. One thing is certain, the winds spreading the seeds of sorcery have reached gale proportions. End quote. Never before in all of history has there been such an explosion of occult-based philosophies and practices as there is today. In sheer numbers, power, and sophistication, there has never been anything like it. It's like the lid on Pandora's box has been opened, thus unleashing a torrent of occult forces and influences into the world today. The New Age, due to its alliance with Luciferic powers and its occult practices, is today functioning as a breeding ground for the unleashing of demonic spirits and forces into the world as the end-times lines of spiritual warfare are drawn. A plague of the spirit is sweeping our land, drawing people like moths to a flame. Even though so much of this spiritual warfare is invisible to our human sight, that in no way diminishes its very real nature. For as the Bible says, our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the powers and principalities of darkness, as well as the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And things are definitely heating up, as the adversaries' forces stemming from both secular humanism as well as the New Age are very much on the rise today. Biblical prophecies depict the end times rise of multitudes of false prophets and false Christs, who tempt and delude many multitudes of people with counterfeit doctrines, false signs and wonders, and every other form of possible deceit. 2 Thessalonians 2, 9-11 highlights a couple critical points that I'd like to bring up. This passage reads, The coming of the lawless one will be in accordance with the work of Satan, displayed in all kinds of counterfeit miracles, signs, and wonders, and in every sort of evil that deceives those who are perishing. They perish because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. For this reason, God sends them a powerful delusion, so that they will believe the lie, and so that all will be condemned who have not believed the truth, but have delighted in wickedness. End quote. There are two major points I'd like to highlight here. These are, number one, the nature of the powerful delusion of the New Age, and secondly, the widespread occurrence of the prophesied counterfeit miracles, signs, and wonders. Now, about the powerful delusion. This is really a kind of progressive brainwashing of sorts, sometimes a very gradual process, but other times a very quick one. 
When the forbidden fruit of the new age is eaten, the person opens themselves up to a multitude of delusions for Satan to weave into their hearts, minds, and spirits. So much of what happens to a person as they become more and more involved in new age philosophies is like an initiation into a new and different worldview and the taking on of a new self-identity. And the more deeply a person becomes infested with this plague of the spirit, the further they become ensnared within a cunningly sinister bondage. Deluded people are never aware of their delusion. They talk about a powerful delusion. New Agers see themselves in ways that would shock and amuse you. Because of the cornerstone belief in reincarnation, for example, a multitude of delusionary possibilities open up immediately. For many New Agers, part of their quest is to try to become aware of what these many past incarnations were. You'd be surprised at the very creative crop of bizarre and grand multiple identities. The funny thing is that these supposed past lives almost invariably involve royalty, the rich and famous of history, and other highly exalted personas. Of course, Bible passages like Hebrews 9.27 certainly shows that all this hubbub about past lives is clearly a collection of deceits, self-created fantasies, and demon-inspired delusions. I've met many a person in the New Age who truly believes that they are a combination Rembrandt, Susan B. Anthony, Mozart, Cleopatra, and Einstein, all wrapped up in one super-genius person today. And there are numerous examples of famous New Agers with such colorful self-concepts. Richard Bach, for example, author of the best-selling novel Jonathan Livingston Seagull, firmly asserts that he was Attila the Hun in a past life. Shirley MacLaine has a very creative array, including Asana, Princess of the Elephants, a harem dancer, a Brazilian voodoo practitioner, a monk meditating in a cave, and many other fanciful self-concepts. And would you believe that John Denver has made it public knowledge that he states that his soul originates near the Lyra Nebula star system? This is to say John Denver claims that he is an extraterrestrial incarnated in human form. This is all public information. And there are several, hundreds of thousands of New Agers who actually believe that there are angels who have incarnated in human flesh. Or many believe that they are extraterrestrial beings from far distant galaxies who have come to Earth to teach mankind great universal secrets. There are even a few who believe that they have been dolphins or whales in previous lives. And they truly believe this about themselves and take, take great pride in it. To say the least, this leads to many a Mount Everest of ego trips. Believe it or not, I'm telling you the truth about a significant portion of New Agers. And they take these exalted self-images very seriously. It's very difficult to convey how utterly strange and alien so much of the New Age people and landscape are. In many ways, it's like a completely different world. It can be as bizarre and alien as if you suddenly awoke one day to find yourself on the planet Pluto. Hardcore New Agers commonly live in a mental world that is often as elaborate and bizarre as the boldest science fiction novel. In reality, they are as court jesters who don't realize that the only ones they're jesting are themselves. Now concerning the counterfeit miracles, signs, and wonders, in addition to 2 Thessalonians 2, Jesus also spoke in Matthew 24, 24-25, saying, for false Christs and false prophets will arise and will show great signs and wonders, so as to mislead, if possible, even the elect. False Christs and false prophets are a dime a dozen in the New Age today, as are the hosts of great signs and wonders. For example, the Christian newsletter, the Omega Letter, states that there are over 2,000 New Agers currently proclaiming themselves as Christ. Billy Graham states that there are at least 400 false Christs in Los Angeles alone. And false prophets number in the tens of thousands, perhaps in the hundreds of thousands. They are as rampant and as deeply rooted as crabgrass in an ill-kept lawn. 
All this is yet another sign of the times in which we live. I feel it's very important to realize the reality of so many of these counterfeit miracle signs and wonders that are happening in the New Age today. It's all too easy to discount their reality when you haven't seen them or experienced them yourself. However, just as Jesus prophesied in Matthew 24, they are happening today. I myself have seen and experienced them, and this is one of the major reasons why the New Age is attracting so many people today. Some of this may be surprising. Some of it may raise questions and issues in your mind. I think this is good, to raise important questions that bear significantly in the crucial times in which we live. It's important to at least be aware of this side of the New Age. Actually, there's a growing body of scientific verification of many of these phenomena. Such prestigious scientific institutions as the Menninger Foundation, Stanford Research Institute, and others have an established body of scientific proof concerning many of these phenomena. To point to just a few examples, firewalking. There are indeed tens of thousands of people that have walked over blazing hot coals with bare feet, being totally unscathed, not even a blister. National Geographic scientists set up various controlled firewalking experiences and observed the same phenomenon, seemingly very inexplicable. And there are healing miracles occurring right and left throughout the New Age with medical verification in many thousands of cases. Some, though not all, of the faith healers found in Philippines, Mexico, and especially Brazil do many times create these false healing situations. An excellent Christian book that details the surprising inside story of some of these miracle healers of the New Age is The Beautiful Side of Evil by Johanna Michelson. I'd highly recommend this book. Furthermore, the development of psychic abilities is very hot on the New Age scene. The development of these self-created mind powers, psychic powers, is a banner cry of the New Age, which includes such phenomena as telepathy, psychokinesis, which is mind over matter abilities, clairvoyance, among many other supernormal abilities, are actually occurring today as never before. In addition to the many hundreds of thousands of people experiencing these psychic abilities, Scientific experiments performed by highly respected scientists have created an increasing body of conclusive verification of the reality of numerous psychic phenomena. Among many possible examples, here are just a few. Number one, Stanford research scientists Russell Targ and Harold Putoff, PhDs, have performed controlled experiments with a phenomenon called remote viewing, a kind of clairvoyance, where the person sees distant happenings through psychic visions and has confirmed that this ability does exist in some people. Secondly, the Menninger Foundation scientists, Elmer and Alice Green, both PhDs again, have tested an internationally known guru named Swami Rama, which demonstrated certain kinds of mind-over-matter abilities. These scientists are also doing experiments using biofeedback equipment to induce psychic powers. Last example is Professor William Tiller, PhD, former head of the material science department at Stanford University, has developed a scientific model for explaining how psychic abilities work on a level of quantum physics. All this research verifies the experience of millions of New Agers who casually accept the validity of psychic powers and attempt to use and develop them on a daily basis. Mind power, or psychic power, is very, very big on the New Age today. And there are variations on these psychic powers that are often offered as mind power techniques proclaimed under the grand banner of create your own reality, which is one of the prime directives of the New Age. These create your own reality techniques 
involved the application of the self-willed mind power applied through various occult-based New Age techniques in order to attract such things as money, prosperity, psychological transformations, health and healing miracles, love, jobs, material gain, and anything else they could think to desire. One of the major reasons why so many people are flocking to the New Age is that it, these things can work and sometimes work quite well. It's no happenstance that one of the dominant forces in the New Age today are the successful professionals in many fields. Satan often uses a strategy of giving gifts, exciting experiences, dramatic encounters, and sometimes supernormal powers and false miracles through his New Age doctrine of health, wealth, and godhood. Yes, Satan often does provide power and opportunities to those who dare to enter the New Age terrain. Sometimes a person has a series of powerful experiences that feel great and wonderful and true. Sometimes personal problems do clear up for a time. Sometimes healings do take place. Sometimes a seemingly miraculous series of coincidences leads a person on to deeper and deeper New Age involvements. Linda Evans of Dynasty fame, along these lines, is quoted in the magazine Red Book, May of 88, as saying, quote, Only trust what feels right for you. But if it brings you more love and happiness, then what does it matter where it comes from? For me, Ramtha has been a great teacher. End quote. Well, Ramtha is one of the major national and international demon spirits being channeled today. It also had a profound influence on Shirley MacLaine. And the point that is a, a great fallacy in New Age thinking is brought up in her very own quote where she says, but if it brings you more love and happiness, then what does it matter where it comes from? Well, of course it matters where it comes from. And this is a, a great fallacy in so many New Agers thinking. They feel like, well, this feels good and true, therefore it must be good and of eternal and ultimate truth. But in reality, there's all Satan's gifts designed to dazzle and lure as many people as possible through superhuman feats based on occultic methods and principles, many times based on mind power. Intense spiritual discernment is an imperative as never before in the times in which we live. Satan dangles his dazzling lures of counterfeit miracle signs and wonders to attract and entrap the unwary. A message that applies for our times as never before is simply, all that glitters is not gold. Not all signs, miracles, and wonders are what they appear to be. Now, I don't want to share a glooming, foreboding message, not in the least, because, of course, in laying down his life for us and the sacrifice of his blood, and being resurrected, Jesus won the victory for all those who receive him in their lives. As Jesus is with us, no one and nothing can defeat his chosen people, his holy nation. His victory is our victory. He says in John 10:27 through 28, I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. In a message to New Agers that is as valid today as it was in Old Testament times, the Lord warns and rebukes those who practice forbidden occultic arts and forewarns them of the destruction that will bring upon them. In Isaiah chapter 47 it states, In spite of your many sorceries and all your potent spells, disaster will come upon you and you will not know how to conjure it away. A calamity will fall upon you that you cannot ward off with a ransom. A catastrophe you cannot foresee will suddenly come upon you. Keep on, then, with your magic spells and with your many sorceries which you have labored at since childhood. Perhaps you will succeed. Perhaps you will cause terror. Surely, 
These people are like stubble. The fire will burn them up. They cannot even save themselves from the power of the flame. End quote. Now to change the pace a bit, I'd like to share with you a condensed version of my personal 15-year journey in the New Age, going from Kung Fu to Crystals to Christ, highlighting the main themes. The full story is in my book, Exposing the New Age Nightmare, but I'll highlight the main storyline here. I was brought up in a normal, middle-class Christian home with an emphasis on Christian morals and getting a good education. Basically, I see today that I was what might be termed a social Christian. I was just doing what was expected of me, going to Sunday school and church every week through my growing years as I was expected to. But I never really came to a deep personal acceptance of the Christian faith or coming to a personal relationship with Jesus. And because of this, there was a growing spiritual vacuum in my life. As the teenage years came along, questions started to cry out in my innermost being, the fundamental questions. Who am I? Does my life have any meaning? How can I find lasting inner peace and fulfillment? Well, around age 14 to 15, I started to watch a TV show, seemingly innocuous, entertaining, called Kung Fu. And this show showed my impressionable and rebellious young teenage mind a hero ideal who offered me answers to my burning questions. Here was a person with the exotic aura of Eastern mysticism, Kwai Chang Kane, claiming to be in harmony with the universe and at peace within himself, while at the same time possessing all kinds of supernormal powers. This is a kind of Eastern mystical version of Luke Skywalker in Star Wars, which has subtly influenced so many children today. Through all this process, I became very enamored with all this mysterious, powerful, and exotic Eastern mysticism. And in searching in a bookstore at a local shopping mall, I found some books in the religion philosophy section that promised to show me exactly how how to attain Eastern mystical inner peace and psychic powers through yoga and New Age meditation. I taught myself step by step how to do all these various things and started to have some very powerful experiences, which whetted my appetite for much more. And during this time, the fast-growing grassroots network of New Age classes, organizations, and seminars in the late 70s and early 80s made it easy for me to explore many New Age options. Among others, I attended the famous Silva Mind Control, today called the Silva Method. This is a two-weekend seminar package designed expressly for mainstream America in which more than 7 million people from 60 countries have gone through. In it, I started to delve much more deeply into such practices as acquiring familiar spirits, developing psychic powers, creating your own reality with mind power techniques, occultic healing methods, and many other New Age practices. This organization is so confident that its techniques work that they offer a money-back guarantee if they don't, and few people ask for their money back. In college, I took a huge step further into New Age involvement. I majored in religious studies, studying all the world's major religious traditions, and deepened my knowledge in particular of Eastern religions. In one class, I even got academic credit for joining a Buddhist chanting sect for a while called Nishiren Shoshu Buddhism, where a group of people would be on bended knees, chanting repetitious chants for hours at a time in a kind of semi-trance state in front of an idol of paper. The enticing thing about this Buddhist sect is that the main chant that they use does, for many, bring an initial surge of blissful feelings and apparent good fortune. This was my experience, as I detail in my book, and it can be very enticing to a lot of people looking for answers to their personal problems and desires. 
Also in my college years, as has happened with literally millions of New Agers, I entered the mysterious door of psychedelic drugs, which dynamited huge openings in my mind through which I experienced hundreds of overwhelmingly powerful visions of Satan's mystical temptations. It's impossible to describe these experiences of dazzling luminosity and captivating beauty, but suffice it to say that the psychedelic doorway is an open invitation to exceptionally powerful demonic forces and deep self-delusion. Graduating from college with a BA in religious studies in one hand and yoga beads and psychedelic drugs in the other, I decided to make a career in the New Age, which at this time, around 1978 to 80, was a wide open field with many openings and possibilities. At this time, the New Age had taken firm hold in America, both nationally and on a widespread grassroots level. And choosing from among the thousands of New Age learning centers, communities, and retreats, I ventured throughout America from coast to coast and in between in search of enlightenment and New Age career training. I saw that the New Age is definitely not overseen by one central organization that controls doctrine and overall agenda. In fact, the New Age is extremely diverse and decentralized and often highly competitive. I visited yoga communities where I would join large groups of guru-worshipping people who would spend many hours each day performing exercises and twisting the body into all kinds of pretzel poses and repeating Hindu deity names called mantras in meditative trances for hours on end in a state of blissful ignorance. Some yoga communities are quite bizarre and wildly permissive, like that of Bhagwan Sri Rajneesh, who's in India now. Others are very peaceable, clean-living, and kind, though their deification of a guru figure as a god chains them to a pretender to the rightful place of Jesus Christ. Pursuing career training as a holistic health professional, I went to several holistic health retreats and schools where I would undergo all kinds of health practices, ranging from the normal to the highly bizarre. At one retreat, they specialize in what is called bodywork. Different from clinical massage, there are numerous forms of New Age bodywork that are based on the concept that mental and emotional problems precipitate in the body's muscles, and that the way to release those problems is to pound, grind, and twist the muscles until they have released all this tension. This is what I have nicknamed jackhammer bodywork. Imagine, if you will, somebody taking their elbow and applying their full body weight on top of that elbow straight down into your calf muscle. I'm talking about some very serious pain here. I'm talking about the kind of pain where you put your hands over your eyes to keep them from popping out of their sockets. And the murder screams that would jump out of people's mouths or something else. At this particular retreat, which was situated on an idyllic island off the coast of Washington, it was difficult adjusting to living in this small, isolated community because amidst the peace and serenity of the surroundings, without warning, heart-chilling screams of agony would fill the air. At times, the place sounded like a torture camp. People came here, though, and underwent such practices to get healthy. This is a kind of New Age version of no pain, no gain. But all I gained was pain. While dragging my poor bruised body to the next adventure after all this wonderful healing, I came upon my next major step into the enemy's New Age web. I discovered crystal power. One day a close friend mysteriously gave me a tiny quartz crystal that had been used by an American Indian medicine man. I had absolutely no idea what to do with it. My friend counseled that I should meditate with it. Well, this sounded like the height of absurdity. I wondered what a common rock had to do with anything New Age. This was back in the early 80s, before the crystal craze swept the New Age like wildfire. Back then, less than 5% of New Agers had even thought about the concept of crystal power. I thought to myself, well, I'll give it a try. It couldn't hurt, could it? As it turned out, I was very, very wrong. What I'm going to share with you may seem strange, even unbelievable. 
but I'm simply reporting the inside story of what I and millions of others who still remain in the New Age experience when they use crystals in various ways. What I experienced was very similar to psychedelic drug experiences. For a full week during my first exposure to crystals, every time I went into a state of New Age meditation, it was a mind-blowing experience in which I saw vision after vision in a state of mystical frenzy. I saw a lot of very alien but highly compelling images, ideas, and forces. At the time, I thought that this was a major step of cosmic enlightenment for me, that I had achieved a huge spiritual leap of mind into what the New Age calls higher consciousness. However, I see now that I had walked right into one of Satan's many snares, and that his counterfeiting demons had woven a web of great delusion. While I thought at the time that things had taken a major turn for the better, in fact they had taken a turn for the worse. Now I should quickly insert here that crystals, in and of themselves, have no power whatsoever. They are inert and lifeless objects. This being stated, I also add that when New Agers use crystals in their various rituals and meditations, many of them have a subjective experience of enhanced and amplified invisible energy forces and feelings. These feelings are definitely not always as explosive as the experiences I just talked about. Many times the sensations are much more subtle, like tingling sensations, feeling of energy moving up and down the spine, and many other diverse perceptions of crystal vibrations, so to speak. All this is not at all scientifically verified in the least, but it is the subjective experience that millions of New Agers have had and are continuing to have. Whether this is real or only imagined, the placebo effect or sorcery remains an open question. Continuing the storyline, during the next year, another major development took place. A number of the spirits who were in back of the New Age started to speak to me directly. This may sound strange, but the phenomenon of channeling is really quite common in many New Age circles. While my partner went into a trance state, a spirit would come in and take over my partner's body for up to two hours at a time. During this period, my partner had no awareness of what was happening and afterwards had no recollection of what had transpired. In the meantime, the different spirits would talk to me directly in private. Many different spirits came and went, each one giving me information and instructions about my life and my life's work. These experiences were something else. Very powerful forces would emanate from these spirits. Religion professor Carl Raschke of the University of Denver asserts that this type of channeling phenomenon can often have an hypnotic effect on people who engage in such practices. In large groups, he asserts that a form of mass hypnosis can occur. From my own experiences and extensive observations, I would tend to agree with Professor Rashke. The masquerading demons who are behind this channeling phenomenon are master enchanters and deceivers. These spirits told me a great number of things. They told me that they were highly advanced spiritual masters from the heavens, and some claimed to be highly advanced extraterrestrial intelligences operating from different star systems and spaceships in our solar system. They all identified themselves as being friendly, wise, and wanting to only serve the higher good of humanity. In reality, these spirits were demons who were master impersonators and deceivers, and they're really quite good at it. They told me that I would be given cosmic wisdom and special information about leading a select portion of humanity into a golden new age of peace, light, and universal brotherhood. They told me that I would write popular books and succeed beyond my wildest dreams, and that I would find the enlightenment and inner peace and fulfillment that I still yearned for but had not attained. And I believed them, for they were quite convincing, and they really did deliver on many, though not all, of their promises. These spirit guides instructed me to write a book on crystal power. I couldn't imagine how this would happen, for at this time I had only known about crystals for six months. The spirits, though, assured me that they would provide all the knowledge. 
So among other things, they had me fill a room with hundreds of crystals and geometric arrangements, plus setting up hundreds of pyramids on the floor, walls, and ceilings for the supposed purpose of creating an amplified energy field to enhance communications between the spirits and myself. Each day I would go into this special room, take crystals on my forehead, and go into a semi-trance state. In contacting the spirit guides, I would be given precise images and instructions as to what to write down. All this knowledge was totally new to me. My basic function was like a scribe, take down notes dictated by the spirits. And this is how many New Age books are written. One day, I forgot that I had some crystals taken on my forehead, and I went out to do errands in town. I kept wondering why people were giving me such strange looks. Talk about embarrassment when all of a sudden I remembered that I had a crystal taped on my head. If you ever see a person walking around like this, that's a sure sign they're a New Ager. Continuing on, by the time of the beginning of my ascent to New Age fame, I had acquired professional training and teaching certification and in any number of fields, including holistic health, where I had an MD, naturopathic doctor degree. I was a certified yoga teacher, meditation teacher, did New Age bodywork, stress management therapist, and others. I was well equipped to embark on a professional New Age career. And Lead Me Satan did into a meteoric rise to New Age leadership that stunned me in its quickness and the amazing string of coincidences that catapulted me onto the national and international New Age scene before the age of 30. As a totally unknown writer, the publishing firm Harper & Row seemingly miraculously accepted the book manuscript to publish. This was the first book on crystal power published by a mainstream publisher. This was the early 80s when crystals were only just beginning to become popular in New Age circles. As the crystal craze rose to a fevered pitch, my book launched me onto the national scene very quickly. What I didn't realize was that I was on Satan's fast track to success and fame. What I also did not realize is that I would pay a price for every bit of that success and fame. During this time, some of my personal observations were that I really felt like I was on the path to truth. I felt good, positive, beneficial to others. I felt like this apparent publishing miracle was confirmation of the validity of my New Age path. And I also kept having good fortune and amazing coincidences. Shortly after the first book was released, the spirits instructed me to write a second book, which was also published by Harper and Rowe. The second book was regarded by many as the top book in the crystal field. Book reviews touted it as being light years ahead of all the other books. More so than ever before, I was skyrocketing to national and international renown on Satan's fast track. At this time, I could write my own ticket. Fame and success came my way like I couldn't believe. All this happened before the age of 30. In this meteoric career rise, I was accepting invitations to national New Age expos, best resorts and retreats. I had a third book in the offing, even had my own teaching and research facility. I was regarded as one of the top three crystal experts in the world and was even on a 2020 segment on the crystal craze. I had it all, or did I? The ultimate deception had overtaken me, thinking you have it all when you actually have nothing. The most cunning bondage is a bondage that doesn't feel like it's bondage at all. My life was not founded upon the chief cornerstone of Jesus Christ, and it was doomed to the fate of a house built on a foundation of sand and my life was just about to come tumbling down with a great crash. At this point in my life, I was about to learn a shattering lesson, and here's the basic story. I used to be very adept at New Age trance meditation. This is one of the reasons for my success in the New Age. 
There are many different types of such trance meditations, including what are known as out-of-body experiences, astral projection, states of higher consciousness, altered states of consciousness, and many other types of mystical trance states. In such experiences, the person feels as though their spirit floats out of the body and into different types of spirit realms, meeting up with a wide variety of different forces, visions, and spirit entities that masquerade as light. All this seems very real to the experiencer. During one such experience, as my spirit was approaching what appeared to be a huge source of light as brilliant as the sun, all of a sudden an intervening force took me in the twinkling of an eye behind the scenes, so to speak, of this brilliant source of light. And what I saw shook me to the core, for I saw that the luminous light served as a counterfeit front for the horrific face of devouring darkness. I saw that the apparent luminosity and brilliance of the spirit realms that I had been experiencing were an elaborate counterfeit front for terrifying dark forces. What happened next, now that I had seen the true nature of the scam, was that this source of false light started to engulf me and attempted to totally overwhelm me. Again, though, an intervening force took me away from this horrifying scene, and all I remember after that was waking up the next morning feeling extremely shaken. I didn't realize until later on that this intervening force that had shown me the true nature of the darkness of the New Age and that had taken me away from the engulfing darkness was the hand of Jesus Christ. I still, though, had quite an ordeal to go through. In the days and weeks after this experience, I became increasingly aware that there was a powerful evil force oppressing my life, attempting to completely possess me. With each passing day, my strength and willpower to resist this force was gradually drained. I had heard about and even seen a few cases of full demonic possession, but I had never thought that this might happen to me. But now I knew with a certainty that this was what was getting ready to happen to me. I was laid low in the untold agonies of a prodigal son who had wasted his resources in distant alien lands. I was paying the price for walking in scripturally forbidden New Age lands. Satan, when he sets his hook in a New Ager, can reel a person in when it suits his purposes. He always exacts his price. After a couple months of undergoing this battle, I was weakening badly and became bedridden. It was at this time that in watching TV to pass the time, I started to watch a few minutes here and there of a few select teleministries. What I heard touched something deep within, and I started to be open to the good news in a way that I had never been so before. I also started to read the Bible with new eyes and began to clearly see the distinct differences between Christianity and New Age philosophy. Also, the Holy Spirit started to convict me as I came to realize the sinful nature of my involvement in the New Age. As I came to see the full extent of the abominations in which I had been involved, this realization broke me in deep repentance. I was aghast and overwhelmed at the magnitude of my scarlet sins. Around the same time, I was also feeling that I was on my last legs in terms of holding out against the demonic forces threatening to possess me. One morning while watching the 700 Club, Pat Robertson called to anyone desiring deliverance from sin's bondage to pray with him. And with a sincerity born out of deep desperation and conviction, I prayed with him, repented of my sins, asked to be forgiven, and asked Jesus Christ into my life. And even though my sins mounted high and I was absolutely undeserving, Jesus Christ washed them clean. Before I knew it, the almighty hand of Jesus reached down and cut completely through the powerful chains of darkness that bound me and raised me up into the newness of freedom and life everlasting. I was a captive, but Jesus set me free. I was dead in sin, but he raised me to walk in the newness of eternal life. 
in his unfathomable forgiveness. I met not an angry and punishing Lord and personal Savior, but one who rejoiced in my turning to him and asking him into my life. It was as the prodigal son when he returns to his father. And the father says, Bring the fatted calf, kill it, and let us eat and be merry. For the son of mine was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and has been found. Over the next week or so, I had a honeymoon period with the Lord. Experience of living waters, restoring a parched soul and making it green with peace and truth. I saw that even the grandest experiences that I had had in the New Age were as filthy rags compared to the purity and holiness of the Lord Jesus Christ. When guilt over my past sins would try to crop up, I was reminded that Jesus died for my sins. He nailed them to the cross, just as he does for all those who accept him into their lives. And that as he forgives us, he will never hold them against us. As it says in Isaiah 44:22, I have swept away your offenses like a cloud, your sins like the morning mist. And I also experienced the overwhelming joy, the joy that all reborn Christians know, encapsulated in Jeremiah 15:16 expresses what I was feeling at the time, where it says in the Bible, When your words came, I ate them. They were my joy and my heart's delight, for I bear your name, O Lord God Almighty. And ever since this wonderful period of time with the Lord, my spirit resounds with Psalm 51:15, where it says, O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth will declare your praise. Hallelujah and Amen. Now, in the next section of this talk, I'd like to briefly address the subject of the dangers of dabbling. On this topic, I speak from hard-earned experience, for by dabbling in yoga and Eastern mysticism in my teenage years, I got hooked into the New Age before I even knew it and spent 15 years of my life away from Jesus Christ in a state of delusion. I count myself extremely fortunate because the large majority of people who become deeply involved in the New Age do not get out, so deep is the bondage. Less than a tiny fraction of 1% of all hardcore New Agers ever convert to the Christian faith. In my 15 years, I never met or heard of a single person doing this. When I myself converted, friends and supporters thought I had gone totally around the bend. In the New Age, the possibility of accepting Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior is rarely, if ever, given serious consideration as a viable spiritual path. New Age is really kind of like those roach motels. You can check in, but you may very well not be checking out. The perspectives that I'd like to share in this section of the talk are shared so that hopefully as few others as possible may make the same mistakes as I have in the past. I can't tell you how many people I saw in the New Age who started out as occasional dabblers, delving into such seemingly harmless practices as consulting psychics, astrology, tea leaf readings, Ouija boards, playing the game Dungeons and Dragons, exploring New Age meditation practices, taking Hatha Yoga classes, and many others. All these exact a price from the dabbler, whether the person is fully aware of this or not. Scriptural passages like that found in Deuteronomy 18, 9-12 list the forbidden occultic practices, like acquiring familiar spirits, witchcraft, divination, sorcery, interpreting omens, mediumship, and others. In verse 12, it concludes, For whoever does these things is detestable to the Lord. And the bottom line is that all aspects of the New Age are based on these forbidden practices, either in obvious or subtle and disguised ways. And any time a person steps through one of these forbidden doorways, no matter how seemingly innocent or harmless, that person, by their own free will, is stepping onto Satan's turf. 
And even if the person is not fully aware of it, the enemy will exact a toll when his turf is tread upon. This is Satan's stock and trade, and he rarely misses an opportunity to try to disrupt a person's life with his flaming arrows and seeds of delusion. Satan dangles his various enticements to dabble, explore, and have some fun and excitement in his forbidden pastures and takes delight in exacting his toll. It's my hope and prayer tonight that as few people as possible give the adversary a chance at working his wiles in their lives by tempting and potentially dangerous dabbling practices. Also, if you or someone you know has friends or family members who are dabbling, who are more deeply involved in the New Age, I have formulated a special cassette tape on how to help friends and family out of the New Age. And I hope this may prove helpful. It's not at all that unusual these days to know a friend or family member that is involved in one aspect of the New Age or another. And there are often very special considerations to be aware of when approaching such people. Also, I'd like to briefly address along these lines what I feel is a very important and sometimes overlooked subject. This subject is the widespread occurrence of obvious to subtle occultic influences in children's games and TV shows. This is an area that I had not previously been aware of that the New Age has been making such strong inroads. It's shocking to see how deeply rooted and pervasive undisguised and disguised occultic influences our youth are exposed to on a daily and weekly basis. There's an excellent book on this subject that I would highly recommend to all parents with young children by a Christian author. The name of the book is Turmoil in the Toy Box by Phil Phillips. In his book, he shows clearly and with research evidence that it's not so much the one-time exposure that is the real danger here, it's more the week-after-week, month-after-month exposure to the very pervasive occult ideas mixed in with toys and cartoons. All this subtly desensitizes our children to occult notions and their young, highly impressionable minds can be significantly influenced on both conscious and unconscious levels. And here are just a few examples of popular children's TV shows that do have significant occultic themes. The very famous Masters of the Universe, Smurfs, Care Bearers, Advanced Dungeons and Dragons, and multitudes of others. I would just encourage parents to look into this subject. Buy the book, Turmoil in the Toy Box by Phil Phillips, and monitor what your children are absorbing into their impressionable minds. Mr. Phillips concludes in his book on page 183 where he says, It is time parents and anyone concerned about children take action to protect today's youth. This generation is being deceived by the master of deception. Unless we do something about it, children will grow up with more of a foundation in the occult than in the power of Jesus. Now in the last section of this talk, I'd like to talk about the subject of the New Age as a rising end times force to contend with. For the most foreboding, potentially dangerous aspects of the New Age are seen in terms of the end times. I love the way Billy Graham sounds the alarm call of the end times when he writes in his book, Approaching Hoofbeats. I hear the hoofbeats of the four horsemen approaching. They come as a warning and grow louder by the day. I hear their warnings and have no choice but to deliver them. End quote. The New Age has only begun to hit its stride as an historically unprecedented occult revival today, as any number of Christian books document. In this section of the talk, we see how it may very well fit into the end times picture. If some of you don't believe that these are the end times, then this section still has some important facts to point out. If you do believe that these are the prophesied latter days, 
then I offer the following concepts simply as a number of perspectives to consider toward understanding the underlying threat that the New Age may well be posing in the years ahead. The New Age does not work alone in Satan's strategies conspiring to bring the Antichrist to world power. Both secular humanism and New Age humanism work in league with one another in a partnership definitely not made in heaven. The Antichrist rises with secular humanism in one hand and New Age humanism in the other. Now let me ask you, who do you think is the most famous embodiment of New Age philosophy in all of history? Shirley MacLaine? John Denver? No, it's Adolf Hitler. It's stunning to realize that Hitler is one of the most famous New Agers of all time, and this is a very well-documented fact. There are any number of books that address this subject, and these include The Twisted Cross by Joseph Carr, another book called Hitler, the Occult Messiah, also The Spear of Destiny, among others. These books show that Hitler had a deep personal involvement in the occult and was involved in it from an early age. In fact, it was the driving force in his life. Let me give you an overview of many levels of these involvements. First, he was initiated into a very powerful occult tradition called the Tool Society. Dietrich Eckhart was his mentor and the headmaster of this occult society. This man wrote, quote, Follow Hitler. He will dance, but it is I who have called the tune. We have given him the means of communication with them, that is, spirit guides. Do not mourn for me. I shall have influenced history more than any other German, end quote. It's also a known fact that Hitler could be possessed by other forces at various times. A very close confidant, Hermann Rauschning, governor of Danzig, writes, One cannot help thinking of him as a medium. Beyond any doubt, Hitler was possessed by forces outside of himself, of which the individual named Hitler was only a temporary vehicle. End quote. It's also a documented fact that the SS, nicknamed the Black Order, was an occult society in which all the individuals were required to make a blood oath to serve Satan. Hitler spent untold millions of dollars sending expeditions into such areas as northern India and Tibet, searching for occult artifacts which he felt were keys to aiding him in his quest for world domination. He also had a strong belief in reincarnation, as did most all his high-ranking officers. There are records indicating that many of them believed that they reincarnated throughout history together as a sole group. When Hitler rose to power, what happened to the German populace is a type of mass hypnosis, a mass delusion a type of the plague of the spirit, which I would assert is a preview of the end times powerful delusion. Overall, Hitler's agenda was threefold. One, to create a one-world government in a new world era to be called the Third Reich. Secondly, there was to be the creation of a new and supposedly superior human race of God-men, all to be governed under one man, the ultimate Aryan super-god. And thirdly, in order to attain this goal, there was a need to cleanse the world's genetic stock from supposedly inferior species, thus the Holocaust. Now let's look at the overall New Age agenda in light of this, and we'll find some thought-provoking parallels. First of all, the New Age agenda seeks to institute a one-world government under a new Messiah, not, as they say, to be Jesus Christ, but some other Christ figure. Secondly, they seek to institute a one-world religion, which will be a kind of revamped New Age philosophy. 
Thirdly, they say, mankind is ready to make a quantum leap of consciousness into a higher human race of enlightened beings. A superior race, they say, is waiting to be born to take control of the planet. And last but not least, New Agers claim that there is to be a time of cleansing and purification of the planet and humanity to separate the wheat from the chaff, so to speak, to separate the new human race of God-men from those who cling to the old race of humanity. Now, does all this sound somewhat familiar to Hitler's agenda? I would assert so. In both, we have the recurring themes of a one-world government under a supreme God-man who oversees and directs a new era of the birth of a new human super-race. In fact, I would offer the idea that Hitler was but a crude dress rehearsal for the rise of the Antichrist. Referring to the underlying threat of the New Age movement, Dave Hunt, in his book, America the Sorcerer's New Apprentice, states, Are we in any real danger? Something of great significance is occurring, and it must be taken seriously. The last revival of occultism played into Adolf Hitler's hands, and the eventual victim numbered in the millions. One can only wonder where the current and far more pervasive renaissance of such occultism will lead. End quote. Now, all of this may sound a little far out, but personally I don't think so in the least, especially given the fact that a neo-Holocaust has been happening and continues to happen on modern-day American soil. There are murder mills operating in our country almost every day of the year and have been doing so for over 15 years. These murder mills are conveniently called abortion clinics that have killed over 25 million unborn children at a rate of 1.5 million per year. Think of it, 25 million innocents murdered. This is over four times the number of Jews killed during Hitler's Holocaust. The fact that a neo-Holocaust has been legalized, justified by humanistic thought, and sanitized and sterilized, and that is happening in our midst today is nothing less than stunning. In Randall Perry's book, Operation Rescue, he elaborates on this theme, saying, quote, Is child sacrifice an ancient ritual belonging to barbaric past civilizations? No. Child sacrifice is practiced every day in hospitals, clinics, and doctor's offices all across America. Because the tiny victims are concealed within the wombs of their mothers, people never hear their silent screams and rarely see their brutalized remains. But you can be sure that the powers of darkness hear and see with pleasure. Satan receives the blood of these little ones as human sacrifice, and he is not going to give up this stronghold and demonic altar without a fight. End quote. This abortion abomination clearly shows that other forms of Holocaust are very possible and real. And by opening the door to the legalizing of the murdering of innocents, the door is also potentially laid open to abuses of euthanasia applying to any group of individuals, especially those deemed genetically unfit, societal non-contributors like the elderly and the crippled, and possibly the category of the spiritually unfit. Not only are there strains of secular humanistic thoughts that justify and legalize the murdering of innocents, but also New Age philosophy adds further fuel to potential neo-Holocaust fires. The doctrines of karma and reincarnation can be primary bases for the justification of murder on a spiritual basis. And it's interesting to point out here that well over half the world's population believes in reincarnation. Now, part of the rationale goes like this in the New Age. They say that since the soul is immortal and endlessly reincarnates, then 
there is no real death. There is a startling conclusion that death is an illusion. Furthermore, the law of karma, the law of impersonal cause and effect, states that anything and everything that happens in a person's life is a result of their karma. This is to say whatever is, is right, no matter what the situation, no matter if there's an abortion, a murder, child abuse, no matter what is happening in a person's life, that is, according to this doctrine, correct and right for that person. This leads to the frightening conclusion that, in truth, there are no victims. Quite logically, the conclusion is drawn from reincarnation and karma, that is, that death is illusion and there are no victims, creates a potentially lethal philosophical combination that can be used to justify any or all sorts of killing, from abortion to severe abuses of euthanasia to outright murder. Ramtha, one of the most famous demon spirits being channeled today, claims that under certain circumstances, murder is justifiable and karmically beneficial. He says that, for example, if one person killed another in a past life, then in order to balance the karma between the two people in a current life, the murdered in one lifetime may murder the other and be totally justified. Also, abortion is widely practiced in the New Age under many justifications. Let me give you a few examples of some of these justifications. The first says that after the abortion, the soul will be able to reincarnate into another body anyway. Since death is an illusion, abortion is no problem whatsoever, they say. Another justification says that the soul of the unborn child knew that the mother would abort it. Therefore, the abortion may be a balancing of karma from past lives or a learning experience for the unborn soul. Also, many New Agers feel that if their, quote, spirit guides or higher self provides the spiritual guidance that the abortion is okay, then the abortion must be in balance with the divine order of the universe. In conclusion, then, a reincarnation and karma-based philosophy can be used to justify all sorts of killing and murder under a wide variety of different rationales. Now, there's another very important perspective to be apprised of in this regard. This has to do with the fact that those in the New Age have a widespread negative reaction to Orthodox Christianity. Now, please don't kill the messenger for the message here. But basically, in the New Age, there's a very pervasive perspective that Orthodox Christians are evolutionary laggards, that in some way that they are spiritually inferior. They're looked down upon from their uh, supposed mountaintops of spiritual superiority and looked down upon the Christians and regard them as spiritual kindergartners. And this leads to a very pervasive and deeply rooted superiority complex. It's important to note that the demon spirits being channeled today and many of the foremost New Age teachers have a recurring aversion and irritation to Orthodox Christianity. Their teachings are so very tolerant about so many other religions except Orthodox Christianity. And this becomes clear in light of the dark forces knowing full well that it is only Jesus Christ and his church who can bring about the Antichrist's defeat. This recurring aversion leads to a very distorted separating the wheat from the chaff theme that keeps cropping up in the New Age millennial prophecies. Let me give you a few examples of top New Age leaders who claim that during the millennial time of transition from today's old age into the new age that there will be a time of so-called cleansing and purification of lesser humans from those who accept the new age. For example, the TM guru, Maharishi Mahesh Yogi, writes, quote, There has not been and there will not be a place for the unfit, 
The fit will lead, and if the unfit are not coming along, there is no place for them. In the age of enlightenment, that is the new age, there is no place for ignorant people. Nature will not allow ignorance to prevail. It just can't. Non-existence of the unfit has been the law of nature. End quote. Here we have a prime example of New Age Darwinism, propagating the idea that we have the survival of the spiritually fittest and the demise of the unfit and spiritually ignorant. Also another quote from Ruth Montgomery, often called the Herald of the New Age. She writes, quote, We are indeed on the threshold of a new age, which my spirit guides say will be ushered in by a shift on the earth on its axis at the close of the century. The souls who help to bring on the chaos of the present century will have passed into spirit to rethink their attitudes. End quote. We see in this quote the scapegoating of a certain segment of world civilization who is blamed with bringing on the chaos of millennial confusion. It also states here that they will have passed into spirit to rethink their attitudes. This is to say that they will be eliminated, purified off from the face of the earth. In these two quotes and so many others that I could bring forth, we have the recurring New Age theme of the elimination or purification of spiritually unfit races as the New Age God-man race of the future goes to the fore and inherits a one-world government under a one-world religion. The $64,000 question here is, if this happens, by whose definition would be the spiritually fit versus the unfit? If the Antichrist is in power at the time, then it would be by his definition. Christian leader John Ankerberg, in his book The Facts on the New Age Movement, notes this underlying dark side of the New Age. He writes, A thorough reading of New Age literature will show that some New Agers sanction the persecution of Christians. They do so on the basis of the need to remove those who may refuse to accept or attempt to prevent a spiritual uniting of humanity. This is one of the darker aspects of the New Age. This is the rub. The New Age of love and harmony may have to be repressive for a time to usher in their version of peace on earth. End quote. Furthermore, Christian author Tex Mars, in his book Dark Secrets of the New Age, takes this hypothetical possibility to its logical conclusion when he writes, quote, Will the murder of Christians be an act of love? The Antichrist will convince the world they are doing the Christian, who they call a member of a racially inferior species, a favor by sending him on to another dimension or on to the next incarnation where he will be more happy. This may well be justified as an humanitarian and creative act of love. End quote. While this possibility is one hypothesis among others, it does show clearly how by taking the philosophy of reincarnation and karma to Antichrist extremes, a neo-Holocaust could possibly be justified as an act of euthanasia, a mercy killing done out of disguised compassion and love. Remember, with reincarnation, there is no such thing as death, so killing would be simply seen as a tool to send a supposedly inferior species, according to a warped definition, to another place in the universe more suited to their species. While Tex Mars' theory is one among others, the main points that I'm bringing out here are threefold. Number one, that the New Age and its cousin, secular humanism, ultimately work together toward the agenda of the Antichrist forces. Number two, that a neo-Holocaust is happening on American soil today, 
killing over four times the six million Jews Hitler murdered, and this abortion holocaust continues unabated today. And lastly, three, this murdering of innocents is a huge step down the road toward gross potential abuses of euthanasia on those deemed physically, socially, or spiritually unfit as the Antichrist forces rise to power in the end times. Now, I'm not proposing at all that New Agers have consciously murderous intentions. I'm not suggesting this in the least. However, by being caught up in the New Age plague of the spirit, they are being set up for the powerful delusion, just like the large segment of the German populace in the 1930s and 40s. They will do the Antichrist bidding when he pulls in his reins, just as the Nazi fever swept up an entire German nation. A powerful delusion is powerful indeed. As to when the rapture and deliverance for Christian believers comes about in all this, it's not really for me to get into this prophetic debate. All I'm pointing out here are trends, strategies, and possibilities of the future that we need to be aware of with open eyes and that we need to take a firm stand against today. Will the Antichrist false one world order of a new age succeed? The Bible tells us absolutely not. As we see, for example, in Revelation chapter 20, where it states, And I saw an angel coming down from heaven, having the key of the abyss and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold of the dragon, the serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. Today, though, the New Age forces are most certainly amassing. The spiritual battle rages each and every day. More than ever before, we are called to spiritual warfare. All this Antichrist threat may sound foreboding and ominous, but Christians have most certainly been given the victory of Jesus Christ. He says in John 16:13, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. As it points out in Psalm 18, The Lord is our rock, our fortress, our deliverer, in whom we take refuge. He is our shield and the horn of our salvation, our stronghold, who is alone worthy of our praise and thanksgiving and by whom alone we are saved from our enemies. Through the power of Christian prayer to bring down evil strongholds, the wielding of the word of God, which is sharper than a two-edged sword, and the taking of effective practical action in the world around us, we can combat this new age threat and cast down its imaginations and take every thought in obedience to Christ. I'd like to quickly offer a few practical ideas for taking up the spiritual battle against Satan's new age movement. Number one, first and foremost, of course, the power of Christian prayer carries the victory of Jesus' victory over Satan. The devil flees from Christian saints clad in victory armor, wielding the sword of the Spirit. I think that the power of Christian prayer groups is one of the most potent things that we as Christians can do in taking a stand against the New Age and bearing the triumph of Jesus Christ. Secondly, I highly encourage those who feel called out to do so to take the Christian witness into the realm of the New Age. There's a continent of untapped evangelical potential here. In my 15 years as a New Ager, I came across only one Christian witness in all that time, and at that time just for 20 seconds or so. Satan is having a free reign in the New Age today, a virtual field day. As I went around giving New Age seminars in the past, I went in all the major cities and did not make any secret of what I was doing, what I was presenting that was open to the public. And I never came across any but one Christian witness during all that time. 
After conversion, for a year, I went out into the mission fields of the New Age. I used my platform as a well-known figure to bring the Christian witness to thousands of New Agers. I organized large free-of-charge events. However, New Agers didn't know about my conversion to the Christian faith and had no idea what they were about to hear. Even though witnessing to New Agers can be very trying and demanding at times, I want you to know that there are millions of souls who thirst after truth, but who don't even realize that Jesus Christ is an option. There is a dire need for sharing the good news with the New Age, not only to fulfill the Great Commission, but also to firmly establish the voice of Christianity in the midst of the New Age movement. I'd like to give you just a few ideas for evangelizing the New Age here. In all these suggestions, I'm in no way recommending or advocating any form of civil disobedience. First suggestion, write witnessing letters on a weekly or monthly basis to New Age leaders or teachers in your area. I guarantee you, they will certainly notice them. Secondly, going to New Age events and standing outside, handing out tracts, witnessing to New Agers as they come in, holding play cards with select Bible verses. This can be done both before and after the event, during breaks, for maximum impact. Number three, going to New Age stores and witnessing to the proprietors on a regular basis, praying silently in the store, asking that the power of the Holy Spirit would come into the place and convict the people's hearts. Done on a regular basis will produce the best results. And during all of this, I would invite you to use my testimony in sharing the Christian witness with them, telling about this man, Randall Bear, who is a former New Age leader, who saw the falseness and dangers of the New Age and henceforth converted to the Christian faith. I have much more information along these lines. I have a special cassette tape that's available called Evangelizing the New Age, in case there are any amongst you that feel particularly called out to do this particular witnessing work. It is time to take our stand against the cancerous growth of the New Age in our society today. And lastly, along the practical lines of discerning and combating the New Age, I think education about what the New Age is and its very complex and diverse forms is a very high priority. Discernment, especially in sharpening one's eye to the wiles of the the New Age, I think is most important. Overall, I pray this evening that the Lord Jesus would continue to raise up more and more spirit-filled prayer warriors to combat the evil one's schemes, to bring down dark strongholds, to buttress the body of Christ, and to prepare the way for the coming of the Lord. To conclude this evening's talk, I'd like to share a favorite Bible passage of mine, what I regard as a vision of victory, the inheritance promised to the saints who have endured to the end, having kept the commandments of the Lord and the testimony of Jesus. I'd like to read from Revelation chapter 7. These are the ones who have come out of the great tribulation, and they have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. For this reason they are before the throne of God, and they serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne shall spread his tabernacle over them. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. Neither shall the sun beat down on them, nor any heat. For the Lamb in the center of the throne shall be their shepherd, and shall guide them to the springs of the water of life. And God shall wipe every tear from their eyes. Hallelujah and Amen. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for your kindness, your generosity, and your love. May the blessings of the Holy Spirit be upon each and every one of us tonight. May Jesus Christ direct us in his way of righteousness toward the greater glory of our Heavenly Father. Thank you and good evening. You're tuned in with the Underground Christian Network.